Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Good everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. Thanks to everybody for tuning in on YouTube, watching us live. And remember, you can check all the previous shows out on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your audio visual needs. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Real11Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Hello, Ross. Long time no see. We made it back safely and soundly from the Big Easy. From the Big Easy. Yeah. Ate a lot of food, had some good drinks, had some good times, some music, and glad we were able to celebrate over the weekend. I'm still trying to get get the sleep back that I feel like I missed from over the weekend, but it's all good. Yeah. There's a lot of going to sleep at right about 8 o'clock, which is normal for you, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> recovery, but yeah, more tired than everything is, is mm-hmm. how it goes, of course. But good times we're ahead. Now we're back, and, of course, we – and the Bears' first preseason game that we're going to go over at length and for Roquan News and Colin Coward's hot takes, whether you agree with them or not or whether you hate him or not, he had some points, and we'll go over those, of course, at length. More NFL news, Aaron Rodgers upset, and uh, a bunch to get to. Top five, actually, NFL-centric, and will be for the next several weeks as we go through our top five positional Players will start with quarterbacks this week and go on to wide receiver, running backs, etc. So it should be fun leading off with the quarterbacks in this show. LeBron getting paid and paving the way for Bronny. We say goodbye to Better Call Saul and lots of other surprises along the way. But to begin, yes, talking about the Bears and and the latest, even you know since this since uh, getting to the, this first preseason game. Uh, with against the Chiefs, it, 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 we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Roquan first here with the with the fake Roquan agents <laughs> running around here with the NFLPA talking about that. And then, really, I, I, I liked. I feel like the most timely thing is is Colin Coward's take. He kept going on about the Bears' history. If in case you missed it, I don't have the audio, but the history of how it's defensively heavy and how it's obviously pointing to. Bears linebackers of yore, like Mike Singletary and Brian Urlacher um, and Dick Butkus, of course, just, you know, legends. But the comparison to the Warriors kind of going more offensively heavy, I guess, is is the comparison. He probably could have thrown a football uh, comparison in there, but whatever. He went with the Warriors and Monte Ellis versus Steph Curry, yada, yada. And he was saying how he couldn't, how essentially – you couldn't name a Bears top wide receiver of all time. And he was right that the Bears seem to have not the top tier talent around Justin Fields currently, 
uh, when it's the way of the league, when you look around at the Chiefs of the league and the Rams and uh, the Bills and certain teams that are just offensive superpowers, uh, you look at Green Bay right in the division as well, having a lot of weapons around Green Bay. He was essentially making the case to trade Roquan for whatever you could get offensively, whether that be picks or a wide receiver, if Dallas is interested, anything like that. But what I don't get is this team went for, for Jake Cutler to recent memory and, and Brandon Marshall. And just, just, I don't get the comparison to the sixties and seventies, whatever he's talking about. It comes back to management as far as recent history here and just luck and, and poor management and luck is just a bad, it's a bad combination, right? When you see the Kevin whites of the world or name this bad offensive tackle that blew up in your face from the bears and whatever you thought about, um, you know, Ryan pace and, and his um, history as well. And then coming now to this league is all over the place with draft picks and, and they don't always pan out. That's why you have so many in case they blow up in your face, but then you're the Rams and you trade those first round picks for a guy like Matt Stafford. So it, it just, what would you take from that Ross and, and did it change your impression of trading Roquan or not? Um, first off, Harlan Hill and Johnny Morris would be your best wide receivers of all time yeah. in Bears history. You have to go all the way back to the fifties. Go a long way back. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I agree with his, there's a couple of things to unpack here. Number one, the reason why Monte Ellis and Steph Curry didn't work out together was because they both played the exact same position and Monte was unwilling to acquiesce to Steph Curry. And so the analogy was kind of dumb because it, right. it, it's not like um, Roquan plays quarterback uh, or, or something like that, or there's two quarterbacks that you have to trade one, right? But the premise is something that I agreed with, which is, yes, the Bears have been a heavily defensive favorite um, franchise for in, in all of our lifetimes and, and basically even before that, right? Um, and it, it's time for them to catch up to the rest of the NFL and be more offensive-centric and put some weapons around your young stud quarterback. I completely agree with that. I'm all in on that. Where I disagree with Cowherd is, and, I, and I've been kind of saying this to, to people all day, I, and ever since this whole thing came up is, you know, it, it takes two to tangle a little bit. I, I don't see who's trading, um, let's say, C.D. Lamb, right? The Cowboys are not trading C.D. Lamb for Roquan Smith. Or I don't even think the um, the Steelers are trading Chase Claypool for Roquan Smith. And I don't even know if I want Chase Claypool for Roquan Smith. And I guess my point is, you know, these the stud wide receivers don't just grow on trees where you can, like, just trade a linebacker away to, to get one back. It takes two teams to tango. Um, I've always said that if the Bears want to get elite talent on offense, they're going to have to draft this. It's going to have to come via the draft. And if it comes via the draft, why can't you have your cake and eat it too in this circumstance? You can still pay Roquan Smith. $19.5 million a year over the next four to five years and still go out there and draft your wide receivers, right? It, it, the Bears aren't paying anybody right now of a big you know, value or stature on their roster. Um, Robert Quinn is not going to be here long term. Eddie Jackson is probably not going to be here long term. These guys are making big money on your roster right now, right? So paying Roquan Smith doesn't 
keep you from going out there and still making drastic improvements on offense. We've seen the cap go up every single year. If me personally, I would still pay Roquan Smith, but still keep the mentality that Cowherd's talked about, which is we still need to go get young, talented, explosive wide receivers around Justin Fields. I just don't see how you could just start throwing random trade ideas. This isn't a fucking. This isn't Madden. Like you can't just yeah. go. On, you can't just go out of Madden and say, "Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to trade Ron Quan Smith for Keenan Allen today." It doesn't work like that. You know, I, I think right now Roquan Smith's trade value is very low. I don't think the Bears should trade him for 60, 70 cents on a dollar. I think he's still a really good player. I think he'd be a really good player on this defense. And I just I'm not in the mold of of getting rid of good players to get another good player back. I'm in the mold of I want to see as many good players as possible on this roster on both sides of the football which is why I would sign Roquan Smith and I would take a wide receiver in the first round uh, of the 2023 draft. And I would probably take another one in the second or third round of the 2023 draft. And then you've got something cooking when you got two stud receivers to go with Jones, who you just drafted, and Darnell Mooney, who you're going to pay probably about $20 million a year as well. You would just see now, I, I would agree with you, that's the biggest flaw in his take was the trade value aspect of it like okay we, we just because the cowboys might be interested doesn't mean they might give you your third best wide receiver and and a fifth round pick for roquan smith like again roquan is overvaluing himself to an extent right he, he thinks that he would garnish uh, a first round pick or something else huge like that and the bears just have all the cards we talked about it at length on the last show I don't get it. The Warriors, the Warriors thing was just an irritating um, thing to throw in there. It made no sense. And again, you could have just, you could have just said, "Here's my take on Roquan Smith and the Bears." Just be, don't be the Bears. Be the Warriors, not be the Bears. Was how he ended that. That was the thing. Like this guy, it's fucking Colin Coward. But, but he had the good points in there, and you love the comments here. He wasn't wrong, but he wasn't a hundred percent right. Like that's you take it with a grain of salt with all these talking heads in sports radio, and 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 it comes down to. This situation right now is Roquan, again, he can negotiate all he wants. And, Ross, I know you pointed to leverage. Like, Derwin James just got a, a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to point to something like that and his worth where defensive player like, like Derwin James is getting that money. But Derwin James also has a guy in his corner and an agent who is also looking out for your best interests and goes ahead and does that. And certain teams are going to – have more cap space and every situation, every player, you know, is going to be valued accordingly. Right. And so, you know, with the chargers in that case or whoever, you know, wants to pay a defensive player like that, they're going to, to do whatever they want to do in the bears situation here. I got to agree with coward as far as offensive weapons are concerned, but right now with Roquan, it just seems very, impossible to me that he would get any type of return that coward is painting a picture of right where you would get some sort of great offensive talent that would help out justin fields right now like we've seen that even if they get someone like the look at the bears right now and and how they've the bears receiving core is just limping into the season losing to keel harry and these free agents these free agents velas jones kind of already not playing uh, snaps, hopefully, you know, obviously holding out of preseason action for good reason because you want to save your good reps for the regular season. But this didn't, this didn't, didn't change the pers- 
perspective to me of of trading Roquan and the long term plan for him, right? Because the Bears, uh, he can hold out if he wants. The Bears will, will have to carry on, but you know he's going to lose out on all this money. So I think push comes to shove, Roquan's going to be suiting up for Week One and and you know like a month or whatever we're we're feeling right now. I think so too, and I, I think you know going back to the to the coward piece. I mean, it, it, in a vacuum or, or in some, you know, magical planet, what he said all sounds amazing. But we are literally right now in the wide receiver boom era where all these teams are realizing that they have to not only um, draft these these talented wide receivers, but they have to retain them and pay them big money. How much money did we see get passed out in this last, this last offseason alone to number one wide receivers? to fringe number one wide receivers to number two wide receivers like teams are retaining this talent it's becoming the new priority premier position so you can't just trade Roquan Smith to you know I threw out CeeDee Lamb I threw out Chase Claypool you can't I don't think the Patriots are going to give you Myers either for you know for Roquan Smith like it's just not happening and so if you're not getting that kind of deal I mean we heard all summer Bears fans wanted DK Metcalf hey it wasn't going to happen then they wanted Deontay Johnson. Wasn't going to happen either. You're going to have to figure this out through the draft, which I've, you know, I've been saying for multiple years now. I'm fine with that. But if you're going to have to figure this out through the draft, why does that mean that I have to trade Roquan Smith for you know a, a third best, a, a team's third best wide receiver? I just wouldn't do that. I'd rather give him the 19 and a half or 20.5 or whatever the hell he wants, you know, a million dollar salary, and say, hey man you're going to be here for the next four to five years. And we're still going to build on this side of the football too. Just because we're giving a linebacker $20 million a year, doesn't mean that we don't give a shit about the offense. That just doesn't make sense to me. This is a, this is a new regime. This is an offensive lineman um, as, as a um, former offensive lineman, as a general manager. This is a guy that came from the Kansas city chiefs who knows more importantly than ever offense is, 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 is a primary uh, you know position in this league, right? We're going to go through our top five quarterbacks later on. I promise you the guy in KC is going to be on our list. So he, he knows what it takes, and, and the weapons are equally as important there as well. So um, I just – I think we're reaching the, the point of this whole Roquan thing right now where it's getting exhausting. I think a lot of people are, are getting exhausting about it. They're trying to find new storylines and, and stuff like right. that. And I just hope that we can um, – you know, figure this out sooner than later. And I, and I, I still expect Roquan to be in a Bears uniform come week one against San Francisco. I agree. Nothing has changed in my eyes for that. But the the fact does remain, you're, you're already talking about the offseason, a lot of points that Colin Coward made, right, where you the Bears certainly do need to take notes from the rest of the league. And it's the rest of the league is doing the same thing, where you amass draft picks and, and you take gambles and, and you look for your guy. If Vilas Jones happens to be on this roster in, in even two years, that's a win, right? If, because he's doing something right. If he's Devin Hester or if he's, you know, one of these uh, smaller guys, if he's um, anybody in recent memory who's been racking up yardage, then it's going to be a uh, help to Justin Fields. He just needs bodies around him right now. And you're not going to find – you're going to find likely that next Cooper Cup or that next DK Metcalf in the draft. Ross is right about that. Um you know, why would I, I? Why would I want to trade for for Chase Claypool and then pay him twenty million dollars a year when I feel absolutely. like I can draft Chase Claypool? Who also has dra- issues. 
Right, just as he does exactly, he can just draft a guy like that. And if and to me, it's like if Ryan Poles can't find a talent like that in draft, then we then we hired the wrong general manager, and he needs to be fired three or four years from now. Yeah, no question. Uh, it's you know this is the first year of the Ryan Poles regime. Let him let him play it out more than one one off season here into the into this uh, upcoming regular season. Speaking of the preseason, the Bears faced off against the Chiefs, as we know, and. You can't tell too much from a preseason football game, especially when Justin Fields plays basically a series and throws seven passes. When he really, yeah, he looked like Justin Fields of of last year to me to an extent. But he's, I get it. Uh, he's looking a little sharper, and and with new wide receivers on a limited basis, you're not going to see much. You'll see a lot more against the Seahawks tomorrow night. But four for seven, limited limited work for 48 yards, taking two sacks. Um, that's about what you expect from your starting quarter. It's not the, it's not, of course, the, you know, we talked about the guy who played for the Chiefs and, and Pat Mahomes not doing the same type of work, quick work that he made out of the Bears defense in his first drive. But, um, you know, it's not about wins and losses in preseason. It's about those, those quality reps you get and getting out of it healthy, um, seeing what you have in your backups if, if that comes along. But really, it's, it's in the second half of games where you see those guys who can make, that 53 man roster and who can be on the practice squad too. And who may be coming up and getting big reps uh, in the season when a guy goes down, what would you see from the chiefs and bears game that you liked? What didn't you like Ross? Yeah. I mean, well, we could start with the first team offense, right? I mean, what I liked specifically with Justin Fields was um, I thought his mechanics and footwork were a lot better than they were last year. Um, I thought that he was going through his first and second reads a lot faster uh, than he was in the past as well. I thought he missed he missed one, uh, you know, guy on his second read that that Luke Getzey had had mentioned in his presser uh, a couple of days ago. Um, you know, the, the throw to Tajay Sharp was money. The throw to to Darnell Mooney was money as well. Um, so I I thought that he um, given also the circumstances around him, and I'll, I'll talk to that next. I thought he did fine. Um, you know, he's still learning this offense. He's still kind of getting his groove in the offense. Um, so, you know, we're going to expect to see some 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 warts along the way, but I thought he looked pretty solid. And I think he looked pretty solid because um, the offensive line is still a work in progress. I think Braxton Jones, for the most part, held up his, his end of the bargain uh, at left tackle. Um, he had a couple of times where he was bull rushed a little bit into fields that was a little bit concerning. But I think he's going to get better. He's going to be your left tackle of the future. Um, Schofield at right guard, looks at, he looked absolutely awful to me. He was getting pushed back significantly. Uh, the same thing with Mustafa at center. They actually the throw that that Fields through the sharp was a beautiful throw, and he was with some pressure in, in, the, in his face. Um, I thought Mustafa looked awful. He was just pushed right back into into field. So that's a little bit concerning, and I think that's the reason why you're going to see uh, Tevin Jenkins at right guard tomorrow night. Uh, you know, for for the Bears is because they're they're trying to see, like we've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks, who are your best five guys at the front, right? Um, and so I think the left side has already been solidified with white hair and, and Jones. Hopefully Patrick can come back at center. And then the right side is still a work in progress. We're going to see uh, Jenkins and Borum a lot probably uh, tomorrow night. Um, and then they didn't have any wide receivers on the field outside of Mooney. I, I think Sharp is still a fourth best wide receiver. So we didn't see Jones out there. We didn't see Cole Komet out there, which I think is going to be, you know, he's going to be a big security blanket in the middle of the field as well. So, you know, all in all, the offense was fine. I think the, wide I think the running backs need to do a lot better in terms of catching the football. There were a couple drops by both wide, uh, running backs, especially uh, Kalu Herbert, who had two drops. 
Um, you know, and then the defense, you know, again, missing Roquan Smith. Brisker looked great. And, you know, he, he looked great in the snaps that he was out there. It would have been nice to see Gordon out there as well. We didn't see Gordon out there. But we saw some of the backups play really well. I think Sanborn is going to be a huge uh, cult favorite in this city, uh, at least for the next couple of weeks. We'll see if he also makes the, the final 53-man roster. But you know, he, he's, a, he's a rookie uh, backup linebacker who's going to make a lot of noise. And Muhammad looked great, too, as a great – uh, rotational pass rusher, and he knows his defense coming from the Colts. So he looked very comfortable out there, and I, I expect that. So, Ross, you alluded to a big part of the game, though. I mean, re- yeah. regardless of the performance by either team, it you know, Soldier Field is is the eyesore of the league, and as a Bears fan, we know it very well. And it got to the point as well where the, <laughs> the uh, president of the NFL Players Association, J.C. Treader, he took to t- Twitter to question why the league had allowed the Bears and Chiefs players to play on the surface in such a, a poorly visible state. And you saw leading up to it all the Bears reporters and, and, and NFL reporters talking about it, too. This is not news. This was Cairo Santos saying leading up to uh, the game, too. He would go to a, a local park. He would go to Douglas Park and he would kick <laughs> He would go kick field goals, you know. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But, why, it, again, I think this is just the – I don't know, a lot of people calling for the Arlington Heights angle part of this, but it's because largely this this field crew and, and it could be because of the Chicago Parks connection, but it's it's not it's not anything new in, in my eyes. They just have uh, let it let it come to. I hope that, you know, when the NFL pres- president of the NFL Players Association comes and says something like this, that they can get it right in, in time for the regular season. But yeah, probably- I mean, they well, I mean, they do resod the field a week before week one every single season, right? And I, I, I know Soldier Field is has been a dumping ground uh, of late uh, within the last couple of months, within the last couple of years. Um, you know, quite frankly, I was at Soldier Field twice last year, and I, I take a shit on Soldier Field a lot. And I actually had very pleasant experiences both times at Soldier Field. I, I've been to other stadiums uh, around the country, and I, I got news for you. It's a bitch to get in and out of those stadiums, too. No matter how new or, or old it is, it's just really hard to get 70,000 people out of a freaking stadium at the same time. So you're going to you're gonna have some issues and stuff like that. You're going to sit in traffic. You're going to walk long distances. Um, so I, I, I know that the, um, the field looked like trash on, on Saturday. I, I tweeted about it. But I also know that we're making a little bit of a bigger deal than needed right now because they will resod this thing. Uh, within the next couple of weeks. And um, I think it's been actually the field has held up a lot better than the, the last couple of years than it has in the past. And I expect it to be that way again. The problem year. with grass in the first place, right? You have to have a completely different grounds crew than if you were to have a turf field. It's just sort of like antiquated the, the, the way that these new stadiums just have the brand new AstroTurf and 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 still, you know, it's the, the injury complications that are going to happen there. But it is preseason after all. I, I it mean, is. It is. And, you know, they don't I, I think they're done at Soldier Field for the rest of, of preseason. Right. I, I know they're in Seattle tomorrow. I'm not, I don't remember where they're at for game three. But um, it's also the problem with, you know, they don't have a um, you know, they, they don't have an elite system underneath the grass in terms of. Uh, you know, being able to, to water it. And, and I think like even Green Bay, who ha- who does still keep natural grass, but their field is heated underneath the stadium. So they're able to kind of keep the grass fresh, stuff like that. I, I, listen, I, I get it. Soldier Field is old. And regardless of what happens, whether the Bears stay there or not, it needs to be redone, renovated. Um, but 
I, I, I kind of push back a little bit after years of, of shitting on Soldier Field and saying it's not as bad as people have been making it out to be lately. And I think it's just an, an angle that everybody's kind of jumped on right now. So now I got to wrap my big arms around Soldier Field and say that we're not going to completely shit on this stadium yet. You see Ross out there watering Soldier Field and shit. Yeah, I would, I'm about uh, five blocks away from Soldier Field. My house is so. Um, if if Soldier Field needs me to help them out, I will walk over in the evenings uh, and uh, I'll, I'll make some extra risky money to to help them out. <laughs> Better boy. I mean, like, Char- like Charles Dutton, Rudy, when he was just like rolling the little white lines all over the field. It looks like it looks soothing. It looks uh, pretty therapeutic, in my opinion. So Bears Bears reached their 85-man limit Tuesday, and there weren't too many moves of note. I know sort of as far as what you were talking about, offensive line trying to solidify that starting five and, and know who's next man up in case anybody gets injured, was hit with Doug Kramer getting hit on IR, or put on IR, rather, and he was that six-round pick out of Illinois. And, you know, they'll trim the, the roster to 80 by next Tuesday, then the 53-man roster on Tuesday, August 30th. So with that in mind, Bears playing their second preseason game, which is, is the big dress rehearsal, baby, is, is against the Seahawks. What do you want to see, Ross, against the uh, the Seattle Seahawks? I want to see the starters play six to seven snaps tomorrow night. Um, and I think uh, Matt Everfus already alluded to this, but um, the National Football League can kiss my ass for sending the Bears uh, all the way up to Seattle on a short week for a freaking preseason game. I think that's absolute bullshit. I think if you're a league that talks about how you want to protect the safety of your players and they got to already go through a grueling 17-game season, why the hell is this game all the way in Seattle? That's now you know for them on a short week. They just played a game on Saturday. It just makes no sense for me. So why should the Bears play any of their starters for more than about one series uh, tomorrow, right? It's all about getting to week one at this point. So that, that's what I want to see tomorrow. I want to see a lot of uh, backups action because as much as I want to see Justin Fields get reps uh, tomorrow, I also want to see him uh, very healthy going in week one. And also the other guys, your, your offensive linemen, your running backs, your, your receivers, right? You need guys like that to, to get healthy. Um, you know, I, I do want to see Kyler Gordon make his, uh, his, his Bears debut. I, I'm really excited to see him. Um, I'm really excited to see him and Brisker on the field at the same time. But, um, you know, offensively, get those starters out there for a series and get them the hell out of there. My, my hot take is I, I think preseason games should be regional. I, I think you should only play the teams within about a three to four mile radius of, of, uh, of where you're at for preseason. It, it's just a, these are these are fake games. These are games that don't matter. So why are you why are you sending these guys all the way up to Seattle for this? I think it's bullshit. It's a good hot take. I, I would agree with that. I mean, why wouldn't you just go play Cleveland, play local, play sure. uh, Cleveland, Indy? You, you know, you can. There's yeah. tons of teams that you can play. Tennessee. There's there's tons of teams that you can play within you know surrounding you that aren't even in your own division, uh, and just rotate those teams. I don't care if you play the same three teams every year for preseason. Who gives a shit? I, who? I don't really know if anybody can tell me right now who the Bears played all three games of the preseason last year. Nope. <laughs> who cares? No who cares? chance. Who cares? You, you can't name the Yeah, absolutely. No. Well, regardless, it's on ESPN tomorrow night if you want to tune in. And Are we getting um, in action? We're not, but we're not getting the uh, the, the A-team tomorrow. Are we? We're not getting um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, right? Are we getting oh, 
I doubt it. No, it's, it's the guy. They don't squad. come until the regular season. Yeah, we get the squad. <laughs> Joe Buck's, Joe Buck's uh, hair transplant is not quite ready for, for August games yet. It needs its rest. It needs its rest. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about the rest of the NFL, Ross, as we move along from the Bears. Uh, there are some interesting, uh, you know, like we talked about, Derwin James getting that huge his historic deal becoming the highest paid safety for 76 the tune of 76 million dollars yeah uh, i mean well well deserved well, derwin james has, has been a stud yeah. Uh, arguably yeah one of the top i mean obviously uh, towards the tops of these safeties of the league uh joe burrow with his appendix rupturing promoting prompting surgery was crazy uh this guy I, I feel like every year he still has to overcome some ridiculous injury obviously this is different than you know tearing an acl mm-hmm. but that is something that you, you can't really you know you're you he already said that he wasn't going to play preseason i think even before this mm-hmm. but i've never had an appendicitis i don't know what the recovery is like and anybody in the bar chat room by the way go ahead and let me know about that if you've had a recovery oh steve levy lewis riddick and dan orlovsky we love dan lewis orlovsky. come on yeah, dan orlovsky that's tough lewis riddick will carry that squad <laughs> he will carry that squad yeah i've never had anything like that like appendicitis before i've had like I'm trying to think. I've only had like stomach flu. I never had like ulcer or anything like that. So yeah, that sounds painful. That sounds scary. But at least it happened to him in August, right? Where he wasn't really. Oh hell! Could you imagine if that happened in October? Can we go back to Derwin James for a second? Like, I mean, Derwin James is such a dynamic safety. That was definitely well deserved by him. But also, this speaks to the discrepancy between him and Roquan Smith. Listen, Derwin James also missed like 12 games in his career. Like he's been injured. For, for a little bit in, in, during his rookie deal, and yet he still got paid. He got paid because he's got a super agent like David Mulgetta in his quarter. Roquan Smith, hire a goddamn agent. Go hire David Mulgetta, and I bet you you'd have your deal by, by early next week. And then the other piece about the whole Derwin James thing is because the Chargers have such a stud at, at quarterback, right, because they hit on quarterback – They've they've gone out there and they've spent some money. They've got they've got Bosa, they got Clint Mack, they got Derwin James, they've got Keenan Allen. They've got a lot of money that they've allocated to other positions because their quarterback is so damn good. And you really hope that the Bears are in that position within the next two to three years, and the Bears can spread their money around evenly, not just at wide receiver, and really make this a complete football team. Yeah, as we get into our top five quarterbacks in a little bit, the quarterback playing for the San Diego or San Diego L.A. Chargers now mm-hmm. is going to be on there largely because that defense, I mean, is, is certainly going to make him look good here. Um, but then, of course, uh, who, uh, spoiler alert, he's not on my list, Ross. Aaron Rodgers, oh, my goodness. He's finally, finally showcased. I mean, he never stopped showcasing the Aaron Rodgers surliness that, that he has that that uh, is is very much Aaron Rodgers, but with the loss now of uh, Devontae Adams, he's he's he took to um, the media talking about the he's fed up with the wide receiver drops. The young guys quote the young guys, especially young receivers, we've got to be way more consistent. A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route. We've got to get better in that area. And now that prompted a meeting. But Bears fans doing their best, Mr. Burns impression. <laughs> Damn it, that was the wrong sound clip, but they were saying excellent. <laughs> what sound clip was that? It was uh it was the token one that comes from uh, you know, there's laughter in one of these boards. Oh, okay. We'll give this for everybody. Got it. 
<laughs> I don't know how to work technology. Anyways, Ross, what do you think Aaron Rodgers has a point here with throwing to Alan Lazard and, and guys who are just, I mean, it is Aaron Rodgers. Come on. I think he's got a point. I, I, th- I mean, I think we, if you look at the Packers depth chart at wide receiver, let, let's go through some names on that list, right? Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, he's a rookie. Romeo Dubs is a rookie. Amari Rogers, bro, I've never nice. even heard of you. Uh, Danny Davis, Jawan Winfrey, and then they just signed Travis Fulgham today, who was released by the Denver Broncos. That's a rough wide receiving core. I think that's a worse wide receiving core than what the Bears have when the Bears are healthy. So, you know, I, I, they're going to struggle. But that's kind of what happens when you alienate a guy like Devontae Adams. Um, and, and it's also, it's like, look, it's Green Bay. Nobody wants to live up there in Green Bay. And nobody can really trust what Aaron Rodgers is going to do long term. He's been hinting at retiring for years. He started to take... I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's like eating mushrooms and he's dating a gypsy magician lady or something. Like he's just all over the place. And and so this is a byproduct of all that. And now he's kind of stuck with this situation. I do like Watson a lot. I do think Watson is going to be a good wide receiver, but he, uh, he had a lot of drops in college too. And now I don't even think he's healthy right now. So the Packers are going to be really interesting because at Rogers age and his stature, how long is he going to like, be patient with these guys. You see already he's getting pissed off and they have to do like team meetings with the quarterbacks now and, and chat with them. It's going to be it's going to be really weird and testy up in Green Bay if they start to let's say a 500 start or something like that and it's because these receivers aren't aren't coming through. Um you know, at some point Aaron Rodgers does have to hit a little bit of a decline here. It, it's just it's inevitable. Not everybody uh can stay at that high level forever. Even LeBron James missed the playoffs since last year. Yeah, it's the weakest roster certainly around him of wide receivers that we have seen uh, to recent memory. Losing Devontae Adams, it goes without saying, is so huge. You always compared Aaron Rodgers to a Tom Brady or the greats who would kind of just roll with whoever is next man up there. But this is this is a lot. And we talked about the offensive line struggling and dealing with injuries at this point. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the ayahuasca did for him and, and if it helps him out. Let's go, Ross. Now we got – Top five for five quarterbacks. Top five quarterbacks in the league. Criteria for me is, you know, obviously you take their their career into it, but I'm looking at complete quarterbacks here for this next season and who will likely be in the tops uh, as far as overall performance. You can you can put in rushing performance in there, passing yards, the QBR people are a big fan of as well, but winning obviously helps a lot. So for number five for me. I'm going and it pains me to say this, but how could you not put him up here is Matt Stafford. And, you know, he has way too much talent around him not to be on this list coming off of Super Bowl win. He wasted away in Detroit, as we know, for so long and and had 4,800 yards in uh, that first season. Well, L.A., 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. He did very well under that offensive Sean McVay and Cooper Cup obviously having him there. And now you go ahead and you add Allen Robinson to the mix and one of the better free agent signings uh, that you think we'll see this season. The only thing that can stop him is injuries. I know he has uh, an elbow injury that he's nursing right now, but uh, at 34 years old, you got to think he has a lot left in the tank and is trying to run it back at this point. Um, you know, looking at the, the, as far as his career goes, he's had uh, a lot of pretty good seasons, but I mean, you know, waste those years wasted away in, in Detroit certainly were helped out by Calvin Johnson, 
but it's about the current state of uh, Matt Stafford and, and seeing we always made fun of his sidearm, I feel like, and obviously being the doormat of the league. But, man, he is – if he gets another ring or two, I mean, how could you argue against him getting into the Hall of Fame when he's in the top 20 all time and pass attempts and completions and, and passing yards and um, touchdowns? He's he's my number five. He's, he's right on that fringe. You had to kick out one of the old guys, and I kicked out Tom Brady. I kicked out – so I kicked out uh, – Matt Stafford is not in my top five. He, he's a fringe top five for me. Um, also, Russell Wilson not in my top five. I, he's kind of yeah. been on a, on a decline. One of okay. the older guys the last couple of years. Yep. Yeah. My number five, I had to decide between one of the outstanding young guns. Um, was it going to come down to Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? And I decided to go with Joe Burrow because of what he did in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Listen, if somebody blocks – Aaron Donald for half a second, that Super Bowl probably goes a little bit differently because Jamar Chase was wide open near the end of that game, and Joe Burrow was poised to deliver a strike. But Joe Burrow got the shit kicked out of him all last year. He still showed up week after week. He went into Kansas City. He knocked off the great Pat Mahomes. I love Joe Burrow. I love his swagger. I love his moxie. I love the talent around him. They beefed up that offensive line even more heading into this season. And I think he's poised to keep going. He's got Tate and he's got um, Chase and he's got Joe Mixon. And um, I, I just love those weapons. I, I think the future is super bright for him. He's my number five right now. And I think he might be higher than that by the end of this season. Yeah, no question to me. He is on my list at some point here. Yeah. Number four for me, I'm, I'm big on the young guns with the rest of this list because you're looking at the future. And, and as we've talked about, uh, the league is just so pass happy at this point we're seeing at least a couple guys go 5,000 yards plus I mean albeit Tom Brady at 43 it's incredible he could have easily been on this top five list but number four for me we were talking about the Chargers a lot and it's Justin Herbert Mm -hmm. and he's one of those great young guns he's got everything you want he's got uh, a tall frame to him six foot six He, he played at Oregon and I feel like that's immediately a knock for a lot of people just because of that offensive system but he had a great season, again, only coming second to Brady when Tom Brady went for 5,300 yards, something like that. Um, yeah, Herbert's threw for over 5,000. And if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and, and company can stay healthy, he's got some really great weapons to throw to. And and the defense uh, will, uh, I mean, definitely benefit from uh, his performances, putting up great numbers like he has. But he's accurate. He has some mobility to him. Uh, which is huge in the league right now, but he's in that next class of great young quarterbacks at at only 24, too. I mean, mean, the sky's the limit for him. He's outstanding. He's an outstanding talent in the league. I want to see him finish football games more. He's got to really step up this year in a very tough division that has um, Derek Carr and Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes and and be able to go toe-to-toe and beat those guys. And if he does, he will definitely be in everybody's top five at the end of the season. Um, my number four is Old Faithful. It, it is the old man, the 45-year-old Tom Brady. That a boy. Yeah, coming back for, for another season. I mean, this guy threw for 5,000 yards last year. He, he he still throws touchdowns. He had that epic comeback in the playoffs against Matt Stafford, the eventual Super Bowl champions. And, you know, he's still got weapons around him. He's still got Mike Brown, uh, Mike Evans around him, excuse me, and yep. and, um, and and Godwin. And they went out there and, and they got um, – uh, Gage, the slot receiver. And so, you know, I, I still think that Tom Brady is going to be able to play at a high level this year just because he's super smart and he's also ultra competitive. Um, so, I, you know, he, I don't see him, you know, dropping off 
uh, substantially, he would still be in my number four. It's like, listen, if there's a big game on the line or if there's if I need to drive to get seven points in the fourth quarter down by four or something like that, there's I don't think there's one guy I'd put over Tom Brady to get that. And so for me, he still has to be top five. It's just incredible what he's been doing at his age, right? And the weapons around him, certainly you would think that, we, you know, we were in Tampa for that game against the Bears where they just demolished the Bears and he threw for a 600th touchdown. It just seems to be just adding to the accolades this year. Didn't He went tops of passing yards or some – every year it's something different, but he's at the tops of all the record books at this point and for good reason because he's, he's just so healthy and, and has a good um, – system around him that helps out a lot you, the, the only question for me is that offensive line if the receivers stay healthy but number three for me coming in at number three was joe burrow i know you talked about him at length and and joe burrow man he's uh obviously coming off a super bowl berth here and and he was a number one overall pick at lsu he's 25 years old the big guy who's been you know playing you know played sec football and playing at the top of his game for the longest time, as we know, uh, he does. He has some sneaky mobility in there too. We know he can throw a deep ball. We know that that Jamar Chase connection is great, um, and you'll have Tyler Boyd and other skill position players around there that'll help him look better. And the Bengals are are so much better having him there. That youth and and the swagger. You got to put him in there for the swagger as well. Uh, the appendicitis. We wish him well, and as, as far as him recovering from that but the Bengals I mean he made some incredible throws last year just the cannon of an arm and and you know you look for the whole package like I was talking about at the top of this segment uh he has it all absolutely completely agree um my number three is the guy up in Green Bay it is Aaron Rodgers listen as much as we love to hate Aaron Rodgers um the resume speaks for itself another MVP last year I mean he's he's been the most outstanding quarterback he he would be Higher for me if I didn't like the way he finished his season last year, especially in that playoff game against the 49ers, just constantly trying to force feed the football um, to Devontae Adams. And, um, you know, like we just mentioned in the segment before this, I really worry about his weapons uh, before that. But listen, the guy is still a Hall of Famer every time he steps out in the football field. And I fully expect him to have at least another high, you know, very above average season just because he's so smart and he's so talented. So, you know, for me, until I see a a huge regression from him, which very well could happen this year, we don't know. But for now, I've got to put Aaron Rodgers at number five. And I've got him uh, in my top five. Excuse me, I got him number three on my list. Yeah, it's hard to imagine a regression from Aaron Rodgers, but you think this year kind of sets him up for for it, but he could just turn around and laugh in our faces and win the debate division once again and it's bears fans that would be very unfortunate but you you can't discount aaron Rodgers for the toughness for everything he's got his ability to throw the deep ball and and lead the you know you talked about tom brady's ability to lead uh, game-winning drives and put points on when you need him the most but he's not on my list number two for me is josh allen the kid in buffalo and i'm loving josh allen with his size and with the mobility too he is uh, a young guy again like all these guys are 25 26 right now just entering that prime and you know we remember most recently that bill's chiefs game that was just incredible and and led us to question the overtime rules in the nfl 
but his throws, he's got great weapons around him with Stefan Diggs and Dawson Knox and, and other skill position players. He's good. He's going to be one of those guys who's going to be making other players look better around him. Uh, he's just has good pocket presence. He has that awareness uh, again, coming into the prime of his career is really important. It helps again when you're winning football games um, and when you're doing it too, in, in a tough division, like he has been uh, with the bills. I feel like when you come from new England, um, you know, that standpoint where they were the, the top for so long and then the AFC, just how loaded they are with these, the Bengals of the world and, um, and then the chiefs and all them. So that, that was such a great duel to see. That was a large part of why I feel like he's going to just have his, his best years coming up for the next couple. Um, your number two is my number one. Hey, I, I listen. I am on the Josh Allen hype train. I think um, I think he will win the MVP this year. I think that Bills offense is going to be the number one offense in the NFL. Um, I, I I don't love that division. I think that the Patriots are going to take a step back. I don't trust Tua in that division and the Jets are the Jets. That Zach Wilson is already out for however long, and, and they might roll with Joe Flacco week one. I, I just love everything that Josh Allen does. I think he's the most dangerous weapon in the NFL because of what he can do with his arm and with his legs. And the guy is so big and strong that he could knock over your linebacker. And I think when the playoffs come, you need a guy like that on your team. The Chiefs just flat out couldn't stop him. They didn't stop him, right? Like you right. have to, you know, you have just to go the overtime sports. rule, right, to, to – um, to, to, to get him off the field and lose that football game. He just – he traded blow for blow with Pat Mahomes, and, and really he was awesome. I think he's the kind of guy that anytime he wants to get five or six yards on the field, he's going to pick it up somehow, some way, whether with his arm or with his legs. And I don't know how anybody's going to be able to defend that going forward. And I, I think that we've seen him take tremendous strides every single year. And like I said, I fully expect that guy – to put up a monster, monster MVP season. So he's my number one. He's so close to, to getting over the hump. But we, what was your number two? My number two is probably your number one. There we go. It's Pat Mahomes. It as is. we talk <laughs> as now, we talk about him. Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. could have thrown, I don't know, you could have thrown anybody else in there. We've talked about everybody at this point. But Pat Mahomes, he's been there before, obviously winning a Super Bowl. He's won an MVP. He's 26 years old. He's just, uh, he's got it all, man. And I know that the big question now is, can he rebound from losing a guy like Tyreek Hill? And he still has the best tight end in the league in case you forgot. And the running game is kind of all over the place. Despite that, he will still put up great numbers. I know his number one is Juju Smith-Schuster now and Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Like, that's not really impressing a lot of people. But like the guys we've talked about and Brady and uh, Rodgers, he's going to make that team look better around him. It's just nuts it, talking about the escapability, for one, of Pat Mahomes and the throws he can make on the run are a large part what separates him from the other four guys to me, where he can throw in the pocket or he can throw, you know, going away from his body, just bananas throws, uh, if there's any in this highlight reel that is is on your screen right now. But he has it all going for him. I certainly think that he would be hard-pressed to, to uh, repeat past performances like he has. But, I mean, at, at this time, you know, the biggest competition for him in the division between the Raiders and Chargers probably is the Chargers. But, man, he is... He is a great wide, a great quarterback with questionable wide receivers, but he's number one for me. Yeah, he's. I mean, he he was definitely my my number two. 
Um, I, I'm not concerned at all about the about them losing Tyreek Hill. I think I know Tyreek Hill is an elite talent. I know he's an outstanding wide receiver, but I think a lot of what Tyreek Hill's success was stemmed from was uh, that Andy Reid system and the guy who was throwing him the football. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys on this Chiefs roster that you don't think are going to be able to step up and, and replace that uh, to do exactly that. I, I right now I'm all in on Juju Smith-Schuster. I wanted the Bears to pick him up. Um, in the offseason, but here's a guy that, you know, throughout his career, even with Big Ben's noodle arm, he was a top 25 receiver in terms of statistics, right? And so now you allow him to be Patrick Mahomes' number one receiver. Juju has the physicality. He can catch the football. He can run after the catch. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be able to put up some monster numbers. I think Valdez Scantling is going to be a great deep threat um, for Mahomes and stretch the field. Hopefully the McCall Hardman news is not too bad for them. I know he was carted off the field today at practice because he's a great, uh, he's a really, he's a really good number three. And then Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. Now that we've lost Grok, Travis Kelsey really emerges as the our number one tight end in our future Hall of Famer. Um, and don't sleep on Sky Moore. I, I know Sky Moore is, is a rookie, but I know if the 80 feels uh, any reason going to get him out there on the field very quickly. And he's going to do a lot of the things out there that Tyreek Hill was able to do. And then they still have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and they have Jarek McKinnon out the backfield. And you know, as it, Patrick Holmes is the most um, talented uh, quarterback we've seen of all time. And, and guys like that just don't fall off a cliff just because they lost their 5'10 wide receiver. I, I think he's going to be just fine this year. Old package. Old package, man. Mobility, arm strength, and just the awareness. He's an incredible talent. I uh, love to Derek Carr. I mean, for a guy who's a big surgery at some point big injuries at some point now he's Devonte adams he could shock us and have the best performance of the year too hey listen he uh, Derek carr I, i'm a huge and, fan uh, he's, I, he's I, mr I, steady mr consistent yeah right yeah um, fat delay on here don't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah Derek carr is mr super steady mr consistent a guy that's not on my list but i have bet money to also win the MVP because I think he's going to have a huge bounce back here um, is Lamar Jackson. Do not sleep on Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. He is still a quarterback. He can still do things with both legs. I think he's going to have a monster year. The guy's looking to get paid as, as you know, arguably the highest quarterback of all time. Um, you know, the, the most paid quarterback of all time. So he, he's going to be. Um, I think he's going to be right back where he left off at, close to his MVP season. No, Mad, you missed it. Matt Stafford was my number five, man. Come Stafford on. got some love. Yes. He got some love. Yes. Uh, begrudgingly by me, of course. Matthew, the rest of, uh, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. So uh, as we end the show Patting here, Ross, not <laughs> patting those stats, baby. And Mr. Dump Off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> LeBron landing his two-year $97 million deal with the Lakers, uh, paving the way for – is, is teaming up with Bronny whenever he enters the league. I mean, this was inevitable. And, of course, Rich Paul gets him this mega deal. Yep, he's going to stay in L.A. He's going to do his TV stuff. He's going to do the shop and, and stuff like that. And then I fully expect that um, when the NBA is ready to expand in a couple of years um, and Las Vegas becomes one of those teams that uh, LeBron James is going to relinquish his ownership and clutch, pass it on to Rich Paul, and he's going to become a uh, – in order in the large capacity in that Vegas team. And I think that's where he'll play with his son at is, uh, is in Las Vegas for one year, kind of like what Michael Jordan oh, did yeah. with the Wizards. That's my very, very rock solid uh, 
uh, prediction. Put money on it now, people. Yep. Uh, did you watch the end of Better Call Saul, Ross? I did. And my hot take is Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad. Here he comes. Here he comes with the insanity, Ross. Right. Better show. I, better show. Better complete I show. Love, uh, no, not at all. I love <laughs> this. Uh, still still in the same breath, though, right? I mean, the, the style of that Vince, it's Villigan, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold, I think, are, are both the uh, show co-runners. And like, listen, they cast this so well. Obviously, you got Giancarlo Esposito back. Um, and then, of course, Bob Odenkirk leading the whole thing is great and a dramatic turn for him. We're seeing a lot of that from from comedy guys like Jason Bateman and Ozark and Bill Hader and Barry. And now we get to see it with Bob Odenkirk, maybe the best of the bunch. And I know Better Call Saul swept in the Emmys and all this, but um, the guy who played Mike Ehrmantraut, so good. But it was it was Rhea Seahorn, too, mm-hmm. as his love interest and, and partner in crime, who was really great. The ending was a, a solid ending and very fitting, picking up on where Breaking Bad left off. You know, when it had been teased so long and Breaking Bad, what they would do and throughout Better Call Saul is jump in timelines, mm-hmm. go back and forth and flashback. And, of course, you had... The great appearances in, in the last couple episodes from Brian Cranston and from Aaron Paul. You you had, um, of course, you had to have Jesse Pinkman and Walter White in there. It was very, very fitting. I, I, I really just, I can't believe the, the chops that Bob Odenkirk has. And coming from a guy who watched Mr. Show and saw a lot of Bob Odenkirk in, in, um, in, in the you know spotlight as a funny guy and, and has, has that range, it's harder to do than... And people see, you know, like Brad Pitt can just be funny and just can be a dramatic actor like Tom Cruise, guys like that. It's it's really difficult. And and I think he, he just benefited from great writing around him, of course, and uh, and a good storyline. And, and the last several episodes really tied it up nicely. Now, is it better than better is better than Breaking Bad? This is like Ross is also a hot take is that season three of, of uh, True Detective is better than season one. You can't be better than where you came from, man. And both of those shows <laughs> tied it up so much better. You had the main two guys that were better in Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston. You had McConaughey and you had Woody. Come on, man. It was the same style. You're just suckered by the style and what's most recent to me. No, no. I, I actually think the writing was better in Better Call Saul. I, I think they landed the plane a lot better, uh, especially in those middle seasons. Mahershala, he's fucking so good in True Detective Season 3. And the story is so good in that. But that's a whole other conversation. But they're both outstanding shows. I, obviously, you know, Breaking Bad was in my top five of all time. I have got to think about it again. Like, you know, how does Better Call Saul fit in there? It, 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 it does. You got to kind of reassess it. And I, I'll tell you what, it, it's going to be worth a rewatch in a couple of years from now to kind of go through all of them in a row, right? And, and see if you can watch them all in kind of a chronological order style. That's going to be really cool to see. Kind of like one of those, those, those Star Wars things where you start with episode one and you go through all that shit. And I don't, I, they lost me at Rogue One and I, oh God, yeah, Solo not- and all that. The guy who played Howard Hamlin was so good in, in Better Call Saul, too. Just the lawyers, like Michael McKeon had his part. It was it was great. It was quite the journey, too. In this last episode, you're just seeing, like, holy shit, this was seven years, and they went through COVID, and just how long and, and the process that goes 
into these shows is just nuts. And so yeah. the whole cast, they had a, had a nice, you know, send off thanking the fans, of course. And, and that's mm-hmm. the, how they all came together. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see if there's, you know, we saw the, what, what was it called? El Camino, where we saw the yeah. kind of Aaron Paul's end to the story, which was a feature yeah. length. I wonder if they could do any more spinoffs from here, but man, it was, it was so great. As long as somebody's paying, I'm sure they will. And now it frees right. up my guy, Giancarlo Esposito, he needs to be the new Professor X in the X-Men. That, that That's is what I've heard. It's the petition going around. He will be perfect. Roll right in there. Make that guy the new Professor X in X-Men. He would be outstanding. Do it, Marvel. Are you still uh, watching Hard Knocks, Ross? You I still am still all, watching Hard Knocks. Are you still all in like Jeff Daniels? What the fuck was that about? Come on, Jeff <laughs> Daniels. You're better than that. I watched it all today. Um, the the uh, the uh, Amon St. Brown's father, who's also a Chicago Bears receiver, Equinomius uh, St. Brown's father, um, with a really shitty dig at Kevin Durant. And, you know, I've got a fitness background, and they showed those guys working out, and they were these, the worst reps I've ever seen in my life. And you have to remember, he's like, I have one Mr. Olympus. It's like, well, cool, yeah, you probably took 89 um, anabolic steroids to get there. <laughs> like I'm looking at the clip now, and he he looks it was like the, he looks like Mandelbaum from Seinfeld. Like it fuck was the, they were the worst reps of all time. I was actually super concerned about Equinamius. I was like, please don't train anymore with your father. You can call me. I will come out of retirement. I will train you if needed. Um, and, and, and the slight to, to Kevin Durant was was BS, but it was a good episode. I tell you what stuck out for me is um, the kid Hutchinson that they drafted. He he's gonna be one. They got one. They got a stud, oh, and uh, it's going to yeah. suck for the Bears to go up against that guy two times a year for the next yeah. 10 years or so because he he's him. He, he's got the speed and the yeah. power, and I was looking at him. I was like, holy shit, this kid's going to be really good. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, top a lottery pick like that for very good reason, I feel like, and and he is a stud. Billy Jean singing aside. Did we miss anything, Ross? I think we're good. Rest in peace, and Haish. Rest in peace, Anna Hayes. Oh God, yeah, that was a that was a downer to to leave on, but that's that's yeah. fair. We probably had <laughs> bull, bull schedule today, month. NBA schedule bullshit. Yeah, well, the NBA schedule, the open, yeah, opening day. I mean, you what do you see? The, the Sixers and Celtics facing off, and then you see Lakers Warriors. That's yeah. that's a good way to start the season, baby. Are you? It'll uh, be here before you know it. Are you going to give out blunts at your wedding like Draymond Green did over the weekend? Uh, no, I don't. Don't answer that. Don't answer. I don't want to. I don't want to shoot any. I can already me. tell you now what they <laughs> like disguised as cigars. It yes. smells. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It smells <laughs> funky out here. At least it's an outdoor wedding. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for for listening in and watching us on YouTube here. Thanks to the Barroom Network. Remember, if you missed any of our previous episodes or missed any of this, it will be on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your audiovisual entertainment. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Everybody, be good to each other out there. For now, we say deuces. So long, everybody. Please.